Our Old Testament reading today is from Deuteronomy 32, verses 36 through 43. It's page 175 in your pew Bibles. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is none remaining, bond or free. Then he will say, where are their gods, the rock in which they took refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and swear, as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired heads of the enemy. Rejoice with him, O heavens, bow down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him and cleanses his people's land. And our New Testament reading is from Romans 15 verses 5 through 13. It's page 949 in your pew Bibles. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we give you thanks for this, your word, that is forever settled in heaven. And now we ask, O oh Lord, that you being present with us, that you will speak. For we, your servants, are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. A small child sitting in church, asked his father, Dad, what is a Christian? The father replied, a Christian is a person who loves and obeys God. He loves his friends and neighbors and even his enemies. He prays often, is kind, gentle, and holy, and is more interested in going to heaven than in all earthly riches. That son is a Christian. Father being pretty pleased with his answered, but the boy looked puzzled and thought for a minute, then asked, 
Have I ever seen one? Yeah, ouch. (laughs) I suppose that there are a lot of people who are like that little boy. They're looking for the genuine article. They're looking for authenticity. They're looking at it. They're looking at the multi-ethnic church and they wonder if they've ever really seen one. Even though they may be sitting in the midst of one. And there are many who feel that way about the church in general. They're looking for authenticity. And so here in our series on uh, this that we've been going through over the past several weeks, so that the world may know, answering common objections to the multi-ethnic church, we're addressing another objection that says you can't be authentic in a multi-ethnic church. Translation, it's hard to be in a church with multiple ethnicities and live as one and be yourself. Therefore, be homogeneous. The way to be authentic is to serve God among people who are like you. I won't have to change who I am and the church will be more successful. What's wrong with that? See, the problem is subtle unbelief in the power of the gospel. And I can tell you that this is a problem, as I've sat with many people who feel it, that this is it's too big of a problem to overcome. It can cause too much disruption in the way things are. And for some, yeah, they, their experience uh, trying to be authentic in a multi-ethnic church, it's laden with cynicism and pain. And it usually, it's usually because people have different cultural understandings and differing cultural grounds about what makes for authenticity in the church. And those differences are hard to navigate. See, authenticity, the definition, is is being made or done the same way as the original or conforming to an original so as to reproduce essential features. Look it up. That's the definition of authentic. So this means you can't find authenticity by looking at yourself. You must be looking at something else to conform to it. So for our purposes today, as we look at the scripture before us, authenticity is conforming to Christ so as to reproduce his essential features. See, so the title of the message is Welcome as Christ has welcomed you. So this is a message to the church about the church. This is what Romans 15 is about. It's a message to the church about the church. And the imperative from the apostle is to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. But how? How? Well, the text shows us four things related to pursuing authenticity as a multi-ethnic church that welcomes as Christ welcomes. It means to harmonize and open your heart with humility as Christ while abounding in hope. So let's think about this. To harmonize, that's the first thing. To harmonize, look at verses 5 and 6. 
May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the authenticity if the group of, of diverse ethnicities and cultures are, are seeking to conform to the original is to learn to harmonize. The word used here, the Greek word that's used here, is the same word that Jesus used when he rebuked Peter and said to him, get behind me, Satan, Matthew 16, 23, for you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. Those three words, setting your mind, is that one Greek word translated harmony in Romans 5, uh, verse, verse, verse 5 of, of chapter 15. So, so that, that word, what, what, what Jesus was saying to Peter is, your mind is not in harmony with what God thinks. You're hindering me. And so you know, what Paul is saying to us is, is that harmony, harmony with one another, is to set our minds in agreement with the minds of others in cherishing the same things. What things? What things do we cherish together? Well, now, so when we read these texts, and, and, and uh, we, mustn't, we mustn't forget that this is all predicated upon the righteousness of God that is revealed from heaven and is ours by faith in Jesus Christ. This is all the way back to Romans 1.17. This means that Romans 15 can be obeyed because of what God said in Romans 1 through 14. The righteousness, the justification, grace, and peace with God baptized into Christ's death and raised to newness of life by his resurrection, having no condemnation and being adopted as sons of God and being in the same olive tree as the original branches, the Jews, we are all by this great gift of mercy from God now to offer our bodies as living sacrifices in one body, letting our love be genuine as we overcome evil with good because Jesus both died and rose again so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. And since God has done all this for both Jew and Gentile, he now blesses us with endurance and encouragement to live in harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. I just summarized chapters 1 through 14. That, that, that this means that authenticity is not found in homogeneity, but in unity and diversity, since both Jew and Gentile share an identity in Christ. Not identities, an identity in Christ. And we are only authentic as we match Christ. He's the original. And the expression of authenticity grows as we cherish who Christ has made us to be together, members of one another in one body. To learn to see, is what the scripture is teaching us, learn to see yourself through the other's eyes. And so Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own eyes, in your own sight. 
So, you know, you know harmony in music, you know, it can only take place through the unity of diversity of notes, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, singing in a choir, if, you, if you're singing the same note, that's not harmony, that's unison. You know, singing in a choir or, or on a team, you, know, you, may not, you may not start out hearing harmonies, but it's only as you keep on singing that you can learn to hear the various parts and you learn to blend your voice so that you add to the harmony. See, and so it is with authenticity that harmonizes, but it also requires opening the heart. Look at verse 7 of, of chapter 15. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. See, if you're suspicious about the authenticity of the multi-ethnic church and, and how, it, how close it is to the, God, to the original, you need to consider the welcoming of one another as Christ has welcomed you. Because the Greek word for welcome means to grant one access to one's heart. You know, so that's a, that's a picture. That's a that's a picture of, of hospitality. It's an opening of, of one's heart that gives others access to your stuff. You know, becoming generous. I mean, that's that, I mean, this 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 is what he's talking about. You know, and so so one of the things that one of the first things that the early church did they were, it was that they began to share things with each other. And it was said of them in Acts 4.32, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. So this oneness of heart and, and soul characterized early Christians throughout the Roman Empire. And it's display, it was displayed in, in the generosity of, the, of the, the newly labeled Christians in Antioch. You know, remember, 11, Acts 11, 26 is where they were first called Christians. Well, listen to what happened in verses 28 through 30. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did, the, they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. That openness of heart, it was continuing even in now into another region. And so as Christianity grew, the opening of hearts was passed down through the generations. And listen, the emperor Julian, he's the last emperor, and this is like, like, like uh, the 5th century A.D. He is, or B.C.E., whatever you want, or C.E., common era, or whatever, however you want to view it. You know, the emperor Julian, he was no friend to Christianity, he was upset about how Christians provide for, for not only their poor, but for the poor Romans as well. And listen to his complaint. He's complaining here. He said, why then do you think that this is sufficient? And do not observe how the kindness of Christians to strangers, their care for the, the burial of their dead, and the sobriety of their lifestyle has done the most to advance their cause. For it is disgraceful when no Jew is a beggar, and the impious Galileans... That's the name given by Julian to the Christians. Support our poor in addition to their home. He's jealous. He's envious of the, of the general. Yet, see, the Roman culture didn't have any such ethic. See, so, but what is the reason behind them giving access to their hearts? Christ. 
Christ, being welcomed by Christ. Consider the grace and the mercy each of us has from God. Has not Christ granted us access to his own heart? See, the multi-ethnic church best portrays that access that Christ has given us to his heart. As we welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed each of us, we are pursuing what it means to be authentic. And in this pursuit of being authentic, what enables the welcome to take place? That's point number three, humility. Listen to what he says in verses eight and nine, or eight, eight through, eight through uh, 12. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promise given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. You see, authenticity that welcomes as Christ is harmonizing and opening the heart with humility. Here's the humility of Christ. Christ became a servant. So just so you know, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Now, I know some of you thought that, that Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, the anointed. And so Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed. And Paul refers to him this way often in, in his letters. So, so even, the, even, the, even the Gentiles understood what anointed meant. They understood. They, they had it toward their other gods, you know, where this God would be the ruler of the world, and they would come and conquer other nations and, and subject everybody to... You know, they, they, had that, they had that idea. So Paul says that this is Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed. And here Paul uses this word in reference to Christ, the one who would become the ruler of the whole world, the one who rules over nations, the one who rules over the kingdom of heaven and earth, the one who unites heaven and earth, the one through whom we are made sons of God. God's anointed is the one who waits on tables. That's what that word means. Christ became a servant. He became one who waits on tables. And he, he is the one who serves. See, authenticity in a multi-ethnic church is realized in humility of one's culture and ethnicity. And here is where the rubber meets the rose. It all sounds nice. It all sounds good until you're called upon to live this. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, when we're called upon to live it, yeah, that's another story. Yeah, because we have to think about, you know, what is my culture, my, my what, what, what privilege do I have? You know, what, what wealth do I have? You know, where is my status? What, what, what about my class? And, and how does that impact? You know, and, and how do I use it? Now, so what was Christ a servant for? Here's what the scripture says. To show God's truthfulness, to confirm the promises, and to cause the nations to glorify God for his mercy. See, that's what the song of Moses, so, yes, so, so Deuteronomy 32, that's the song of Moses. And, and some of you wouldn't like it because it's a pretty long song. 
to repetitive. Okay, that's a cultural thing. Hey, yeah, but then verses 36 to 43, here's, here's, what it, here's, what that, here's what that Deuteronomy is all about. And Paul quotes it here in this chapter when he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles. You know, it's a song about how God is going to vindicate all his people and have compassion on his servants. And the song describes all that God will do to avenge them and atone and cleanse his people and their land. And this is accomplished through Christ. See, Christ humbled himself for the word of God and the character of God to be vindicated in the world. His service to God is our salvation. Hallelujah. See, through Christ, the promises of God are fulfilled for the Jews and the Gentiles are rejoicing in God's mercy. Hallelujah. I see, the, so the charge of being inauthentic can only stick if the church remains homogeneous. But the multi-ethnic church, wherein everyone becomes a servant to fulfill the vision of God set forth in the Song of Moses and in the Gospel, is demonstrating that authenticity. See, every person from every group is seeking to serve. So here's an example uh, of something that we are, that we are seeking to do here. So, you know, there's work, there's always work involved in bridging, in bridging the languages to serve to, serve to others. And, and so English is the dominant language. And, and so we, we want to ensure or make, or, 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 or make it possible that the English speakers serve the others. And so we're going to be trying out here, you'll, you'll hear more about it in a, in a few weeks, we're going to be trying out a translation service that's web-based. And it will help other, it will help our brothers and sisters whose first language is not English to have the message in their own language. So, so, and it's it's a great it's a great service. It's it's really good because because you'll be able to scan a QR code and have it on your smart device. It's like oh, that is just that's just tremendous. So you so you'll be able to to have it and 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 you can have it in your language, whatever the language, from Malayalam to Mandarin. You know, so yeah, we do have some Malayalam speakers here. <laughs> yeah, so so it's it's a it's it's just a great tool to have, and 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 we want to to have that uh, so that we can we can bridge that language gap, that language barrier. Yeah. So well, so so, but in language, in music, in cuisine, in our understanding of of time. You know, and, and all, all, of those, all of those things that are, that are cultural, there are other, because there's a lot of ways that we can seek to serve one another so as to confirm the word of the gospel and cause the nations to glorify God for his mercy. And lastly, so this means we can abound in hope. We're abounding in hope because of what God has done and is doing. So Paul writes in verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. See, that the apostle turns to the theme of hope, it had to be that the Spirit of God who knows the end from the beginning and sees all of time, saw the church in these last days facing cynicism about segregation and ethnic division and souls that are weary of the battle. And it is as if the Spirit of God is saying, lift your heads, encourage your hearts, 
Let your faith in Christ be the source of your joy and peace. That's the kingdom of God, he said in verse in chapter 14. The kingdom of God is not in food and drink, but it is in righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. See, your God, our God, is the God of hope. And he fills each day with hope, moment by moment, even if you're suffering. But if your faith is in Christ, you have hope. You see, hope is, is not a wish. Hope in the scripture is certain, and Paul describes how it's certain. He wrote about it earlier in chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, where he said, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Now, remember, this is a message to the church, for the church, and it's a message of how they are to live together. So you cannot, you cannot dismiss the multi-ethnic church of God with 21st century cynicism. And if, you're, if you are in a church looking for personal, individual authenticity, or you're looking to, to bolster your ethnic identity, or you're looking to bolster your, your, your cultures, your, 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 your ethnicity through your culture and, and, and its ex, ex, expression, you, know, you might be attempting to reshape God into your own image. Here's, this was an anonymous preacher. I don't know what his, who his name is. I just, I just happened to, 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 to come across this quote, but it's a great one. How easy it is to define authentic spirituality according to my particular experience and expression of it. And when I do, I end up with a very different God from the one revealed in Christ, a God whose transcendent objectivity has been pared down to the contours of my subjectivity, a God consequently too trivial to lift me out of myself and beyond the distortions of my flawed experience. He's saying this is a God who can't save. You can't find authenticity, looking at yourself or looking at your culture, looking at your ethnic identity, you need to see the original. See, the multi-ethnic church is God's plan. There's no other. There's no plan B. This is it. So, so if you're entering the kingdom of God, you come through Jesus Christ who brings you into the church. Jesus loves the church. For her, his tears fall. For her, his prayers ascend. To her, his cares and toils were given till toils and cares shall end. How can we not do the same? So let me ask you, have you seen a Christian? Why not turn to your father? He's here. <laughs> and he's, he, you can ask him to show you Christ. He's the original. See, through Jesus Christ, God atones and vindicates his people. This is what Deuteronomy 32, 36 says. The Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees their power is gone and there is none remaining bond or free. And you see, in everything else that you use to prop yourself up to feel like you're authentic, to make you feel as if you are approved when all of those things are gone, the Lord is who's left when every other prop you've relied on is gone. 
And you know what vindication is? Yeah, vindication, that's God's approval. And it's vindication, it's, it's, it's God saying, this one's authentic. See, this one is in my son. My son is the original. And through faith in him, my righteousness is in them. They are authentic. The communion shows us how to live this authenticity. It shows us the way to harmony. It grants us access to the Lord's heart. We see in it the humility of the Lord's servant and how Christ served us. This is the table in which he waited waited upon for us. And, And as we partake, we abound in hope and find the strength to endure as we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, it's here at the table of our Lord where we are reminded that he died our death so we could live his life. The Lord's Supper reminds us that though we are many, we are one, for we all partake of the one loaf. The Lord's Supper reminds us that we are members of his body. The table of our Lord is what we cherish together. We can only be authentic as we see ourselves in Christ. He's the original to which we conform so as to reproduce his essential features by his grace.